And I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 16. It's good to be back in the Gospel of Matthew. I'm glad that I could get back to my office and back to my commentaries and other books to help me understand the Gospel of Matthew. I don't yet have all the books in their places on their shelves yet. If you go by my office, it looks like monkeys attack the place. Um, but that's, that's it's all part of a grand plan. They're all clean now. They have no mold on them. And uh, eventually I'll have time to put them back up in their uh, proper places. There were too many other ministry priorities to get to that one this week. But I did get to open my books on Matthew this week and study Matthew for this morning. Do you remember where we are in the Gospel of Matthew? What's going on in chapter 10? I don't blame you if you have lost the thread of the story. It's been a couple of weeks already and our study of Matthew has been kind of disjointed this summer. It's kind of weird. I've actually, I haven't been out of the pulpit any more this year than previous years, but it seems like I've been away more because it's been concentrated over just a few months. And here I'm going away again this coming weekend for the Pastors and Wives Retreat in the Allegheny District. Heather and I want to say thank you in advance for sending us to this retreat this weekend as a gift for Pastor Appreciation Month. We look forward to getting away together and being with the other pastor couples from our district. Kevin Complin, our EFCA president, who was here at our church one year ago today, will be our speaker for the event uh, that we're going to. But after that, I plan to be in this pulpit, barring sickness or death, till probably at least Christmas and probably February at the earliest, every single Sunday. So enjoy listening to Peter Bores next Sunday. And then get strapped in because we're going to ride together through the Gospel of Matthew for months at a time. Today we're picking back up and following Jesus in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10 is often called the mission discourse in Jesus' major teaching or Jesus' major teaching on missions in the Gospel of Matthew. It's the second of five major blocks of teaching in this gospel. Which one was the first major block of teaching? The Sermon on the Mount, right. We spent several months this year studying that together. Jesus is teaching on the upside down, inside out, already but not yet coming kingdom of God. And then when Jesus came down from the mountain, he started demonstrating his authority. His authority over sickness. His authority over demons. His authority over all of creation. And even over death and sin. Jesus has all authority. And then in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus delegates some of this authority to his 12 special agents that he's preparing to send out to the nation of Israel on a short-term missions trip. Remember this at the beginning of chapter 10? At the end of chapter 9, Jesus saw the crowds around around Israel and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like what? Sheep without a shepherd. And just like we prayed for the Good News Cruise, and just like we pray this morning for Church Multiplication Sunday, and just like we're going to pray every day this week at 9.38, Jesus told his disciples to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And then he turned around and answered that prayer. He commissioned these 12 workers to go into that harvest field. Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and 
Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who eventually betrayed him. First he called them to himself, and then he sent them out for himself as his representatives. We called them in our last message special agents to represent him and preach about the coming kingdom of God. Do you remember this? Verses 1 through 15 of chapter 10. These 12 had a unique mission. They were to preach, but also to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, to drive out demons. Who's that sound like? Their Lord Himself, right? Jesus. For this mission, they were to travel light and to live on the hospitality of others and to stay only where they were wanted. If they were received, then Jesus was received. If they were rejected, it was really Jesus they were rejecting. And it would have been better for those people to have lived in Sodom and Gomorrah on the Day of Judgment. And then we ended last time with verse 16, which is exactly where I want us to pick things up today. Let's read it. Look at, at Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Have you been thinking about that these last few weeks? Let's make that the title of our message today. Like sheep among wolves. Let's pray together and think about what this means for us today. Let's pray together. Lord, I I think this is a hard teaching to accept. It, It doesn't quite sound like fun. And yet this is what Jesus taught the disciples and so we need to hear it. And we need to think about what it means for us today in 2018 in Lance, Pennsylvania. So Lord, help us to get what you were saying to them and to think deeply about what it means for us. Because this is your word. And it is for us today. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in righteousness so that we are thoroughly equipped for every good work. Lord, thoroughly equip us now for all the good works you have for us this week. Use me, Lord, if you can. Work around me if you must. But speak to our hearts today. We pray it in the name that we've just been singing about. All glory be to Christ our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign we will ever sing. All glory be to Him. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. There's four animals for you, right? Sheep, wolves, snakes, doves. Got a little menagerie going this morning. Welcome to the zoo. And the disciples were supposed to be like three of these snakes. Which ones? Sheep? Snakes? Doves, right? They weren't supposed to be like what? Wolves. There's going to be enough of the wolves around. We don't need any more. What does this mean? I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. It means it's a dangerous mission, doesn't it? He isn't sending them out like wolves among wolves. Right? They aren't supposed to attack the world. 
They aren't supposed to fight fire with fire. They aren't supposed to be violent or self-serving like a wolf would be. They're supposed to be like sheep. In what way? In what way are they supposed to be like sheep? Because there's good things and bad things about sheep. We've seen that again and again in the Bible. In what ways are we supposed to be like sheep? And in what ways are we not? Well, I think here he's talking about vulnerability. Jesus is saying that this mission will be dangerous. It is not a walk in the park. You are a sheep. And there are wolves out there. Which is interesting because these guys were just given authority to do miracles, right? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. They've they've just been given some real power. But they aren't given authority to blast their enemies to kingdom come. He could have done that, but he didn't. They can do miracles that signify the blessings of the kingdom to come, but they are not given the authority to blast their enemies to kingdom come. No, they're to go as sheep among wolves. Which, by the way, is how Jesus came, isn't it? What did Isaiah say? He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Jesus said to the apostles, I am sending you out among like sheep among wolves. Now, I also think, that this analogy with sheep reminds us of how they trust their shepherd, right? Sheep are very trusting. They trust their shepherd. They're vulnerable, yes, among wolves, but they also are dependent and trusting in their shepherd. It's interesting when you think about the Great Commission, which this whole book is leading up to in chapter 28. Jesus says that all authority has been given to him, and now he's sending us. Not just to the lost sheep of Israel, like he was sending them, but to all of the nations, including the United States of America, including Pennsylvania, including the West Branch community, central Pennsylvania, this region. And he promises, as he sends us, he says, to go with us. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We have it on the back there, on that banner, as you go out. Surely I'm with you always, Matthew 28, 20. It's to remind you as you go out to go make disciples that He is going with you. The shepherd goes with the sheep. I think that's significant. Especially when we consider all the wolves out there. There are wolves out there. But we have a good shepherd. And we go with Him. Now I don't think that the apostles, that Jesus means for the apostles to be sheep-ish, right? To be frightened or scared. This is not a way that we're supposed to be like sheep or dumb like sheep. At other places, he uses that metaphor of sheep and he, he basically understands that we are dumb like sheep. I don't think that's what he's saying now. I don't think he means that they ought to be exactly like the sheep that are harassed and helpless and lost along the way, like he said at the end of chapter 9. That's why he gives the second sentence in these other two animals, snakes and doves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Okay, you're like sheep, so be like snakes and be like doves. Now, listen, the apostles were not supposed to be as shrewd as sheep. They wouldn't last very long if they were. But they also weren't supposed to be as innocent as snakes 
either. Did you catch that? They aren't supposed to be like a snake in the grass, sinful, conniving, wicked. They're supposed to be like snakes in just one way. What is it? Shrewd. If you have King James, it has wise, right? Smart, strategic, skillful. Like a snake in that way, but as for their character, they were supposed to be like what? Doves, right? I love this verse. We should have made this one the hide the word verse. I, I thought we'd be to chapter 11 by now. That's why I picked Matthew eleven twenty eight for our hide the word verse. But we should have, we should have, we'll have to go back and do ten sixteen. I'm sending you out on a dangerous mission like sheep among wolves. So be careful. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Now, the whole rest of this passage unpacks these ideas, these four animals. Jesus is preparing his disciples for this mission, and he's making sure that they know it's going to be very dangerous, so they need to be very careful. But at the same time, he's telling them to not worry or be afraid because ultimately they belong to him. So at verse 17, it feels like things change a little bit. It feels like Jesus is not just getting the 12 ready for their short-term missions trip around Israel, but also getting them ready for what it's going to be like later, like in the book of Acts or even today. It seems like he begins to describe things that are going to happen much later in the story. In fact, even now. And I'm not always sure where, he, where he's getting them ready in particular and when he's talking to all of us. I think it's all relevant for us and our mission either way. Let's listen in. I'll read a little bit, and then I want you to tell me what animals you hear, okay? So these are the four animals. I'm going to read a little bit, and then let's identify them. Verse 17. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. You see what I mean? This sounds like the book of Acts to me. Not just, to their, not just their mission to the lost sheep of Israel in Matthew 10, but also when they end up witnessing to beyond there, to Gentiles. So which animals do you hear? Do you hear sheep in this passage? Yes. They're in danger, aren't they? Wolves. Do you hear wolves? Are they in there? Oh, yeah. They're being handed over. They're being flogged. They're being brought before, drugged before governors and kings. That does not sound like fun. There's wolves out there. So how about snakes? Do you hear snakes? Yeah. What does Jesus say? Be on your guard. That's that being shrewd. That's knowing what is coming and taking appropriate action. How about doves? Yeah. Why are they being drugged before these authorities? Is it because they're bad guys? Because they're doing bad things that, they have to, that they're being called before the judge? No, why are they there? Verse 18. On my account. For my sake, Jesus says. Because you're following me, you will get into trouble. Make sure that you get into trouble for following me. Not for following anybody else. Be as innocent as a dove. But when you are, don't worry. Verse 19, 
But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Ooh, doesn't that sound good? Now, I think this whole section could be summarized like this. Beware, but don't be scared. Beware, but don't be scared. Be wary, be careful, be shrewd, snake-like. But don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Don't live your life out of fear. Now, is that an easy balance to maintain? No, not at all. I don't think so, at least. I don't know about you, but I'm much better at doing the exact opposite of that. Often I am not careful, but I am fearful. Right? I don't exercise shrewdness and strategy and wisdom, and at the same time I fall into worry and anxiety and vexation. But Jesus says we should do the exact opposite. Beware, yes, but don't be scared. He tells you, you're going to be arrested, but don't worry. The Spirit will give you the words to speak. By the way, this is not an excuse for pastors to not prepare for preaching. This isn't, he's not talking about Sunday morning gatherings of the church. This is for those times when you can't prepare because somebody has drug you before the authorities. Don't worry then, because the Spirit will have your back. Isn't it interesting that he's called the Spirit of your Father? You know, this is the only place in the Bible where he's called by that name. It's precious. The Holy Spirit, who is so intimately bound up with your heavenly Father that he's called the Spirit of your Father. And that's who's giving you the words to say. Now, did this happen in the book of Acts? It sure did. Again and again, Peter and Paul and the apostles are drugged before the authorities, and at that moment, they knew what to say. Let's read this next section and look for these four animals. Verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, do you see the four animals? Let me put those four animals up again. You see sheep in there? Absolutely. This following Jesus thing is very dangerous. Some people are going to die for following Jesus. How about wolves? Yep, that's where the danger comes from. Where do, where do some of these wolves come from? From your own family. Brothers betraying brothers. Parents betraying children. Children betraying parents. He says, to death. There's wolves in this passage. How about snakes? Yeah. Jesus is getting them ready to be on the move. Right? They aren't supposed to just stay in one city until they're eradicated. They are free to move on. Be shrewd about this, he says. He's not giving them the option of quitting, but he's not telling them that they have to stay in one location until they're wiped out either. Be sent, but be shrewd, he's saying. And how about doves? Why do all men hate these disciples? Is it because they're criminals? Is it because they've been doing something wrong? Verse 2, all men will hate you because of me. 
but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. You see how the whole point of this is Jesus? This is a good paragraph to stop and ask ourselves hard questions about whether or not we love Jesus more than we love even our families. If you had to choose between loving Jesus and loving your family, which one would you choose? Let me put it another way to get closer to it. If you had to choose between pleasing Jesus and pleasing your family, which one would you choose? Throughout history, disciples of Jesus have had to choose Jesus over their families and sometimes paying it with their very lives. In some cultures in the world today, if you come to trust in Jesus, your family will hold a mock funeral for you and treat you as if you're dead. And in some cultures in the world today, if you come to trust in Jesus, your family will actually try to kill you so that your funeral is real. Now, most of us in the West don't have to worry about that right now. But we still can make an idol of our family. We can put family first over following Jesus. Jesus says that the blessings of salvation come to those who keep trusting and keep following Him, standing firm on His promises to the end. Beware, but don't be scared. Trust the shepherd. And by the way, I'm not sure about the correct interpretation of verse 23. I'm not sure what Jesus means when He says that the disciples would not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. There are six or seven common interpretations of that, and a few of them make just as much sense to me as the others. Perhaps he meant that he would come to them on this short-term mission that they were going out on. They wouldn't have finished going through Israel before he came back and collected them to himself. That makes sense? Though it's not clear to me why he would emphasize that. A lot of it depends on how much of this teaching was just for that particular mission or was for the Great Commission mission that would follow at the end of Matthew. And I'm, I'm just not sure. He could mean that they wouldn't finish their mission to Israel before his death and resurrection. Or could be talking about how the church, even now, must continue to try to reach the Jews throughout the world until the return of Christ. I'm not exactly sure. Any way about it, he is promising to take care of them. He's promising them that he won't leave them or forsake them. Even when it gets hard. Have I scared you this morning? Has Jesus scared you this morning a little bit? When he tells them, you're going to be like sheep. And you're going to be like sheep among wolves. All this talk about flogging and persecution and fleeing from one city to another. Kind of scary. Sheep among wolves is a very uncomfortable metaphor. If I could choose against it, I would. At the same time, I'm glad that Jesus tells it like it is. I'd rather be only told the happy things. Psalm 23, lots of grass and still waters. But if there's wolves out there, I want to know. And friends, there are wolves out there. In the next section, verses 24 through 31, Jesus gives the disciples several good reasons to beware but not be scared. The first is simply that we should expect trouble because we belong to Jesus. Look at verse 24. 
A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? Okay, now we've kind of moved away from animals, from sheep and wolves and snakes and doves. We've got students and teachers. Who's who in this illustration? Who is the master here in this story? Jesus himself. Who are the students then? It's the disciples, and by extension, you and me. Jesus says, they call your master the Lord of the flies. They call him the king of the dung heap. They call him the top dog demon. So what do you expect to be called? What do we expect to be called? I don't like to be called bad names. Do you? But I should expect it if my Lord was called Beelzebub. If the wolves call you bad names because you belong to Jesus, congratulations. You're doing something right. You're being a true disciple. Beware if the wolves are happy with you all the time. Blair Murray died three weeks, three years ago this week. Blair often told me over 17 years of friendship to beware when all men speak well of me. He would say, Matt, if you aren't making some enemies because of Jesus, you are doing it wrong. Now don't forget, we must be as innocent as doves. Some of us like to make enemies. Not because of following Jesus, but just because we're numbskulls. Innocent as doves. Innocent as doves. Innocent as doves. And still hated. If you are following Jesus, expect to be maligned for it. And even to wear it as a badge of honor. Don't be afraid. Verse 26. So do not be afraid of them. The ones who hate you, the ones who are calling you names. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. He's saying they may call you names now, but someday everything will be made right and everything will be made clear. It'll be clear what's what. Whether the names were right or whether the names were wrong. Jesus will not be called Beelzebub. He will be called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His rule and reign will ever sing. And you will be called by the name He has given you. So don't be afraid. Instead, now's the time to speak up, to speak the gospel, to be bold. The gospel message should be proclaimed from the rooftops. Are we doing that? Are we proclaiming the gospel from the rooftops? What are you doing to proclaim the gospel? Who are you telling about Jesus? I've had some neat opportunities recently to share the gospel with people. I haven't actually stood up on a roof yet and yelled it. We're going to have a new roof next week. Maybe we ought to get some people up there and yell the gospel from them. 
But I have gotten to tell some people the good news. How about you? Have you told somebody? Are you sharing the gospel with other people? Or are you too afraid? Those are really the options. I mean, we need to be shrewd as snakes. Don't go in preaching at people. Sure. But from the rooftops. Because we have the best message ever. Don't be afraid. Verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Who's that? Hint, it's not Satan. That's the Lord. Jesus says to not be afraid of those who can only kill you once. Now beware of them. Be wary of them. Don't go running into death. Woohoo, we're going to go die today. Yeah. No. But don't be scared of them either. Because they can only kill you once. I don't know about you, but that's not especially comforting to me. (laughs) I don't want to be killed even once. But Jesus is worth it. The gospel message is worth it. It's worth dying for. Jesus is worth dying for. Sometimes I'm not afraid they're going to kill me. I'm just afraid they're going to laugh at me. I'm afraid they're going to unfollow me on social media. That's what I'm afraid of. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear God. Worship Him. Revere Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Don't focus on people. Focus on God. But notice how this fear works out. It's not a slavish fear, right? It's not a quake in your boots kind of fear. You might think that because he says, fear the one who can kill both body and soul. But that's not where he goes. Where does he go? He goes to a joyful fear. That the Lord has you in mind. That the Lord sees you. Remember last week? Piece of gum? The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Or the offertory last week, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. Look at verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? How many sparrows could you buy with the money in your pocket right now? Right? They're almost valueless. Right? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. He must consent. Your father. There's that father language again. Don't miss that. Jesus brought it out in the Sermon on the Mount. It's amazing to think of God as father. Your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, sheep. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. This is not hyperbole. 
This is not an exaggeration. God is this sovereign. He is that in control. Every single sparrow. And He calls, He cares for His children with that kind of great attention. Every hair on your head. Yes, some of us have more than others. But the point is that our Father knows exactly how many. Anybody here know how many hairs are on your head? I'll bet you don't. But God knows. Every single one. That's that's the kind of attention He pays to you. Now, that will cause you to worship Him. Right? When you think about God like that, you will fear Him. Because it's not just information to Him. It's knowledge. Who would be afraid? Why would these disciples heading out on this mission be afraid? Well, they have every reason to. He just told them they're going to be sheep among wolves. There are wolves out there. But there's also a good shepherd out there. And he knows them. There's a fearsome, loving father up there. So beware. But don't be scared. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. It's true. There will be people who hate you and call you names and don't like what you are telling them about Jesus. Don't be surprised. If some people don't like, even when you're as innocent as a dove and you're telling them the best news ever, they're unhappy with you. Don't be surprised. They might even be in your family. Wolves. And friends, you might even die. But don't be afraid. Not of them. Focus on your Father and follow Jesus and proclaim from the rooftops what He has done. 